Okay. All right. Okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel so old. Okay. So there was a contestant on Wheel of Fortune, and he had a, a puzzle that he needed to solve, and it was, um, it was a, thi- a thing or an item or, or something like that. And he, I don't think he really knew what it was just from looking at it. Uh, and so they solved all the letters. Okay, it was one of those, they solved all the letters, and then all he had to do was say it. Okay? And the word was C-O-R-N-E-R, which spells? Okay. The second word you might have heard of, it's C-U-R-I-O. You guys know that word? Curio. Okay. And then the last one was C-A-B-I-N-E-N-E-T? Cabinet. Okay. Corno or corner... Curio cabinet. Now, in his excitement to win the money and the prize, he rushed his word and he said, Corno, Corno cabinet! Corno, Curro cabinet. And he got it wrong. And he lost. All he had to do was do the right thing and read the words, and he couldn't do it, even though it was spelled right out before him. Okay? That is a little bit like what we're going to talk about. Okay, so first, I want to do a little. I want to do a little survey. If you were here last week, I want you to stand. If you were here last week, this is not a judgment. Okay, I'm not like looking to see who wasn't here. I don't care. I want to do a little, a little, a little survey. Okay, rem- rem- what did Tim talk about last week? Anger. Anger. Okay. Now, if you had an opportunity, okay, if you had an opportunity to be angry this week, I want you to stay standing. If you did not, go ahead and take a seat. Okay, so I am dealing with a very angry room. Okay. Okay, so second question. If you are in here, which you are, and if you are standing, which some of you are, and you are angry, which is why you are standing, and you had a chance to put into practice something Tim talked about last week, stay standing. If you didn't, just be honest and sit down. Again, there's no gray, there's nothing. All right. Okay, so this is again a little bit what we're going to be talking about this week. Everyone, everyone can take a seat. So last week, okay, Tim talked about anger and he talked about it from the book of James, verse 19, and he said this. Where is it? There we go. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry, Right? And the reason why we have to teach about that is because that's really hard, right? Because what, what do we want to do? We want to be quick to speak, quick to get angry, and slow to listen. If you guys have any doubt that that's what we want to do, get on Twitter for about five minutes and you will see people who just want to respond very quickly with whatever comes in their mind. And so what James did was he gave us a different way. And he said, you can be, you can be slow 
to get angry, slow to speak, and quick to listen. But then we get to our topic this week, which is really just putting that into play. Okay, putting that into play. So if you have your Bibles, we're in James, verse 22. You can always look at it. That's on the sheet too. I'm just so used to saying go to your Bibles. But here we go. It says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And so James gave us a message about anger. And he's now saying it's not good enough for you just to hear my words and be able to understand them and be able to parrot them back to me. You need to actually go out and do them. If you don't do that, if you just hear them and you stop there, he says you are deceiving yourself. You are telling yourself a lie that you actually understand what the teaching is. And then he compares it to this. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Now, we have a really hard time understanding that, right? Let me show you why. Everyone take out your cell phone. I never do this. Take out your cell phone, okay? Take it out and pull it up or whatever, whatever the lingo is and pull out your camera, Okay, everybody, everybody have your camera? Okay, now do that little, hit that little thing where it turns it around towards you. And I want everyone to look at themselves for a little while. No, sh- sh- I'm dead serious. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Look at yourself. I didn't say you have to take a picture. Okay, but this thing's called selfie. I want you to look at yourself for just a minute. Okay? All right, now... Everyone, turn your phone off, or just get the screen out, put it away. Now flip your paper over, draw a picture of yourself. Draw a picture of yourself. I'm doing it too, okay? I'm doing it too, and I'm actually going to show mine to you. All right, is everyone done drawing a picture of themselves? Here's my picture. Okay? So here's the thing. We have a hard time understanding when he says he looks at a mirror and forget what he looks like because you guys look at yourself all the time. You get up in the morning and you look in a mirror and you see yourself and you look at your phone all the time and you see yourself and you see pictures of yourself all the time and you go home and you brush your teeth again and you see yourself in the mirror and you are very intimately aware of what you look like. But back when this was written, they didn't have these. Okay? Little known fact. Also, when when this was written, mirrors weren't quite as common as they are now. Probably only the really rich and the wealthy would have a mirror in their home. In fact, it would probably be pretty common for them not to know what they looked like. And so imagine someone having a picture of themselves and actually getting to see. (gasps) 
that's what I look like. And then they go away and they're like, yeah, just forget that. Right? It'd be pretty silly. And Paul, uh, James is saying, when you hear something and then you don't do it, it's like looking at yourself and forgetting what you look like. It's just silly. And he ends with this in verse 25. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so here is the main point of this evening, right? It's just it's really simple. Do what it says, right? You read this four verses of Scripture, and here's the point. Do what it says. It's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to know. James makes it really clear. If you want to follow Jesus, it's not good enough to know what Jesus said. You need to do what he said. And in this case, when we're talking about the word of God, we need to do what it says. I'm going to say that like nine more times, right? Because that's like the only point of these four verses. Do what it says. Now, do you know why we don't like that? Because we don't want anyone telling us what to do, right? Joe said it this weekend in his message. As soon as someone says, don't do this, what do you want to do? do You want to do it, right? And if someone says, do it, you don't want to do it, right? We have this natural inclination that we don't want to do the things we're supposed to do. And here's James saying, look... If you want to know what to do with anger, it's not enough just to hear the message. You need to do what it says. Okay? And so, we have a problem with that. And so, I want to ask us three questions that will help us understand where our problem is. Okay? There's three questions that will help us understand where our problem is with doing what it says. And this is the first one. Do I know what the Bible says about... That's up to you. Okay? So, not everyone in here is going to have the same issue. I could pull up a junior, or I could pull up a freshman, or I could pull up a seventh grader and say, what is the thing that you are struggling with the most? I'd probably get three different answers. Okay? We all come with our own set of struggles. We all come with our own set of the choices that we're really having a rough time making. The issues or the current events that we're really struggling to interpret. And so my first honest question for you tonight is, do I know what the Bible says about that topic? Okay? Because I want to give some of you guys the benefit of the doubt. There are some of you who honestly just go, I don't know what the right thing to do in this situation is. I get put in a moment, and I get forced to make a choice, and my my gut might be telling me something, but I, I truly don't know where in the Bible to find X. And if, you, if, if that is you tonight, that's a great place to be because you're going to have someone in your group tonight or there will be someone here in this room who would love to point you in Scripture to where you can find an answer, right? Now, not every single question per se is found in Scripture, right? If I say, who am I going to marry? Not that I'm asking that question, obviously, 
But if I say, who am I going to marry? Am I going to find her name in here? No. Not every question that you can go to the text with is answered. But you know what you can find in here? You need to marry someone who is equally yoked with you. You need to marry someone who believes in God and trusts in Christ just like you do. There is a principle for every question that you're going to ask that you can find in Scripture. And so for some of us, when it comes to doing what it says, we need to actually know what the Bible says about it. Here's question number two. Do I believe what the Bible says about that topic? There's a question, there's a difference between just knowing it or just hearing it and believing, right? Because you might have a strongly held belief that you've grown up with for a long period of your life, and then all of a sudden you read in black and white what the Bible says about that, and then you have to make a choice. Which way am I going to go? Am I going to go with this? Am I going to go with that? And so the second question that stops us up in, in my doing what the Bible says is this. Do I believe what the Bible has to say about whatever that topic is? Do I know it? Do I believe it? And then here's question number three. What is keeping me from doing what the Bible says? And this is where the rubber hits the road. There is something that is in all of our lives that is keeping us from simply doing what the Bible says, right? There is something that is keeping us from when it comes to anger. There's something that's making us quick to speak. There's something that makes us quick to get angry. We might be even able to quote that verse, but just quoting that verse isn't enough. What's going to make me obey that verse? So I have, I have a couple of words, and they're, they're larger words, and that's okay. We're going we're gonna to talk about them really quick. And the first word is orthodoxy. Okay? Orthodoxy. Just write it down. I'm going to explain it. Orthodoxy. O-R-T-H-O-D-O-X-Y. Okay? Now, orthodoxy is simply this. Right beliefs. That's all it means. Right beliefs. You can be orthodox almost anything, Right? You can be an Orthodox Jew. You can be an Orthodox K-State fan. You can be in, like you can believe anything right about a particular topic. Okay, Orthodoxy simply means right beliefs. Okay, and when we come into Christianity, there's things that we say are right beliefs about Christianity. Okay, now there are some that are going to be the shouts of Scripture. They're going to be the things that we really hold on to and that we'll fight about. And there's some things that are a little bit more open-handed and there's disagreement among Christians. But orthodoxy means right beliefs, okay? Now, in a room this size, we're going to have, we're going to have some variance in, in some of the things that we believe. We're going to have different people in different stages. But when it comes to sometimes the black and white of the text, do we have the right belief? And I'm going to say oftentimes this is not our problem, okay? For sometimes it is. There are just absolutely times that we just don't believe something correctly. But a lot of times our problem is that second word, orthopraxy. Okay? O-R-T-H-O-P-R-A-X-Y. Orthopraxy simply means this, right practice. Okay? Right practice. Am I doing the right actions? Okay? And I want to submit to you that a lot of times our problems come in this area that I think you and I know the things that we're supposed to do, right? 
You and I know when we do something that's just outside the lines a lot of the times. When it comes to lying, do we really need someone to tell us that it's wrong? When it comes to looking at things online that probably aren't the most wholesome, do we really need someone to tell us that that's objectifying and not treating people well? No, I, you know, I, don't, I don't really think that it's an orthodoxy problem. I think it's an orthopraxy problem. Our practices don't align with what we believe. And so we are in our sweet spot, okay, when our hearing, okay, aligns with our doing. When our hearing, what we hear from God's Word, what we read in the text, what we hear when we come to surge, when we do all of these things and what we practice when they align, that's when we're in our sweet spot. That's what James says in verse 25, that we will be blessed by doing. Now, I'm going to venture a reason that I think that we struggle with orthopraxy, that we struggle with the doing. And I think it's because we believe we're going to lose something. I think we struggle with doing what is actually right because we think it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us a friend. It's going to cost us popularity. It's going to cost us a social media post. It's going to cost us something if we do the thing we know we should do. And oftentimes, we just want the thing we want. And we want it now. And we're willing to sacrifice some of those right choices for a wrong choice, but for a good feeling in the moment. We think that doing what it says is very restraining. It's like putting us in a box, and you take away all of these things And you say, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and now I'm in this little no-fun box. And I want to tell you, I think that's why we don't do what it says. We get angry because it feels good. We look at things we shouldn't because it feels good, and we don't want anyone to tell us that it's not supposed to be like that. But if you look back in your text in verse 25, it says this. But the one who looks into the perfect law, God's law is perfect. He has put his rules and his uh, ordinances and all of these things in this world to make it better for us, right? It says the one who looks into the perfect law, and then it says this, the law of liberty. What does liberty mean? Sorry. Sorry. Freedom. Freedom. God's law is liberty. God's law is freedom. If you want to experience what it's like to be free, you will do what it says. You're like, I don't believe you. And I want to tell you it's true. It's true. We 
have believed a lie that being slave to our sin is freedom. And all it does is control you and control you and control you. And it forces you to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision until you are alone in a corner feeling terrible about yourself because you're in a situation that you can't get out of. Does that describe freedom? No. I got to tell you. I'm, I'm in a rooted group, right? And I know some of you guys are in rooted, and the rest of you have probably heard about rooted. But I'm in a rooted group, and I'm, I'm in there with a group of guys. And I, I love these guys that I'm with. And we got together on um, one night this week, and we talked about strongholds. And that, I, that's a word you're like, what in the world does strongholds mean? Strongholds are an area of sin that's kind of taken up residence, and like it's like a fortress in your life, right? You guys ever feel like you're in a fortress of your own bad choices and you can't get out? That's a stronghold. And here we are, this group of guys, doing something guys usually don't do. We get together and we actually start talking about some of those things, some of those areas in our life. And you want me to tell you what I found out that evening? People left free. Because all of a sudden, these sin and this shame that is like weights on us that we can't carry and we can't do alone, all of a sudden we took that shame and we dropped it over there in the name of Jesus. We said, we will be free. If you want to be free, experience the law of liberty. How do you experience the law of liberty? Liberty. Do what it says. It's just simple, right? It's really not that difficult. What is that issue? Well, let's go talk about it. Let's find what the Bible has to say about addiction. Let's find what the Bible has to say about substance abuse. Let's find what the Bible has to say about sex. And if we're unclear, let's get clear, and then let's do what it says. My hope is that you hear the words, do what it says, so many times tonight, that you walk out of here going, hey, how's Reaver? Sorry. Old habits die hard. Okay. Okay. That you walk out of surge tonight and your parents say, how was it? You go, do what it says. <laughs> What's it? What did they say? Right? Do what it says. It is the simplest form. Right? Like today, my son. Right? We're not going to talk about my son. A lot of you know my son. You guys don't know this story, right? So my son is having a hard time making good decisions. So we wrote him a note today. And it says, you will do these two things at school. So when he opens his agenda, he sees it. And if he didn't do it, he didn't get to go to soccer. Oh, yeah, we're terrible parents, right? Okay, so you know what he did today? He did the two things. It's the law of liberty. Do what it... No, don't applaud him. He does not need it to go to his head, okay? Do what it says, you will find freedom like you don't believe. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and for the truth that is found in it. Father, I pray that as we go to our groups tonight, Father, if we are freshmen or seventh graders or seniors, we are wrestling with different things, but it's all in regards to you and our relationship with you. And Father, I pray that we would come and humbly put those things before you and say, I need to know what the Bible says. And Father, once we learn what the Bible says, that we would do what it says. 
Father, that we would trust you and follow you, knowing that that is the path to freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.